Lisa and her husband, they sold Promises Treatment Centers and they basically kind of left the organization as well. And there's no, they're no longer really involved, but the program was started. And so Patricia stepped in as a board member, Brian Moeller, who's our chairman. He went from being a board member to being chairman at that time. And it was just, you know, for a long time, just the dream of keeping this place open that they saw that helps women. I mean, they're even today, almost 15 years later, there are no programs really like Miriam's house. Maybe there are some sober livings that help women, some that help women with children, none that give a housing for a year or two years, none that have, you know, we're not publicly funded. We're private. We privately fundraise all the money through events. Please join us every week for a new episode of Understanding the Human Condition with Dr. James Flowers. Dr. Flowers and his most admired mentors, respected colleagues, and VIP guests will share valuable insight into underlying health causes, conditions, and issues. These in-depth yet approachable episodes are a great resource for both private individuals and industry professionals. Our esteemed host, Dr. James Flowers, is one of the most recognized and respected names in the field of chronic pain, mental health, and substance use disorders, both nationally and internationally. Dr. Flowers is the founder of J. Flowers Health Institute, located in Houston, Texas. For more information about J. Flowers Health Institute and its concierge services, go to jflowershealth.com or dial 713-783-6655. And be sure to mention this podcast. Welcome, everybody, to Understanding the Human Condition. I'm your host, Dr. James Flowers. I am so excited today because I'm joined by Brenda Valiente from Miriam's House LA in Los Angeles. Brenda is a nonprofit leader dedicated to the advancement of all people and transforming society into a place without poverty and homelessness. Brenda's dedication to Miriam's house since 2015 has led her from volunteer to the executive director. With her leadership and passion for serving the women and children in Miriam's house, Brenda has helped expand the base of support for the organization and help provide a safe, sober home for more than 350 families. Under her stewardship, Miriam's house procured a 6,000-square-foot converted convent through the successful capital campaign and ensuring a sustainability of this wonderful program. Brenda, thank you for being here today. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm super excited. As you know, I'm a huge fan of Miriam's house, and I love you guys, and I love the work that you do, and I just think it's an amazing program. Tell me a little bit about First of all, let's talk about you and your background and how you came from volunteer to become executive director. That's quite a road. Yeah, I'm happy to share with you. And, and just I want to say, you, you know, everyone at Miriam's House loves you right back. Oh. I mean, you're an amazing supporter and you're just amazing. And we're so happy to honor you this year as well. But uh, Thank uh, you so much. I can't wait to be there for that. We'll talk about that too, about the event, because we want people to donate. <laughs> maybe attend. Yeah. So Miriam's House. I mean, just to start off, for me, service and volunteering has always been a part of my life from when I was growing up in Highland Park and being part of different organizations. And at the time when I learned about Miriam's House, I was working at the LA Chamber of Commerce. I was doing maybe 40 events a year around business and small businesses and community. And I met the chairman of the board, Brian Muller, and he just kind of mentioned this house for women that needed help doing an event. And at the time, I was really looking for something outside of my nine to five to volunteer in and to give my time to. And that just rang a bell for me. He gave me a tour. 
I met Rhonda Evans, who's our program director yep. and one of the original first women to ever go through the program. Wow. And, uh, and I just fell in love. I started volunteering every day after work. I helped them do this event that we're now honoring you at right. back in 2013. And then I was volunteering for a few months. They asked me to step in on the board. At that time, I had just a lot of connections as far as like Los Angeles public leadership due to mm-hmm. being at the LA Chamber. And within the year, they asked me to step in as executive director. That's so amazing. I, yeah. And I've been there since 2015, you know, coming into Miriam's house and just seeing this home where women can come with their children when they need help in recovery, when they have problematic substance abuse, get housing for a year and then get recovery services, social services, healthcare, childcare, just like anything you can think of that any mom would need. But this is for women specifically in recovery and it's all in one place. And so it just has become, you know, part of my life mission, basically at this point, seeing how women's lives change, seeing the trajectory for the children, how that changes. I mean, it's amazing. Yeah, it is an amazing. I've been many times, as you know, and I've, I've been there at the award ceremonies. and But also, mo- more importantly, I've been there just as a visitor to really understand more about what you guys do. Why don't you tell us more about how Miriam's House came to be? So the pathway actually started as part of the founders of Promises Treatment Centers, mm-hmm. which is one of the first treatment centers in Malibu mm-hmm. back in like 1999. They wanted to find a way to give back. And they started the Promises Foundation. And so that existed as like an education task force and schools that, you know, educate kids about drugs. And it did that for a while. And then in 2007, Lisa Rogg, who was the co-owner of Promises Treatment Centers, wanted to make something for women. As someone who herself was in recovery, she just saw the village that it took for her to be able to take care of her kids and also change her life. And she just thought to herself, you know, like there's so many women out there that don't have the resources I have and how are they going to do it? And so that's kind of where it started. And uh, Patricia Myers with our event chair, she's now our vice chairwoman was working at promises treatment centers at that time. And so she was there from the very beginning. So she saw this 1957 convent when it was like in huge disrepair. She always described scrubbing the floors, you know, getting it ready for the first woman to ever come in. And so they eventually, Miriam's house opened in 2007, Lisa and her husband, they sold Promises Treatment Centers and they basically kind of left the organization as well. Yeah. And there's no, they're no longer really involved, but the program was started. And so Patricia stepped in as a board member, Brian Moeller, who's our, who's our chairman. He went from being a board member to being chairman at that time. And it was just, the, you know, for a long time, just the dream of keeping this place open that they saw that helps women. I mean, there even today, almost 15 years later, there are no programs really like Miriam's house. Maybe there are some sober livings that help women, some that help women with children, none that give a housing for a year or two years. Right. None that have, you know, we're not publicly funded. We're private. We privately fundraise all the money through events like Polo, but also just through foundation grants. And so we just have this huge liberty to accept any woman who needs help. We don't have to like, you know, count beds for the county anything we literally i mean we've had women someone calls and tells us a woman under a bridge in la she has a she's about she's pregnant she needs help we can have her in the next day it's just it gives us a lot of liberty and so yeah miriam's house is just very unique and our goal is really to like help it grow and expand because the need definitely outweighs what we can serve but also we've created this beautiful model that i think is so successful and is really like 
when we talk about homelessness, when we talk about problematic substance abuse, when we talk about foster care, these are all seen as separate issues. But we, what we see at Miriam's house is that there's really this intersection of need. And it takes a place like Miriam's house to really address all of those. That's right. Hard to really have them in silos. Yeah, I completely I love that word silos because I see that all the time across the country. And I don't like that. I don't like being treated in silos myself. And I don't think we should treat our families and our patients in silos either. I think it should be in a community-based program like you guys. And the work that you do is so amazing and so good. Can you give our audience a couple of, if you can think of one, a great success story that you may, like one of your favorites? There's so many. Um, There's so many. I know. Like, you know, I'll say this. It's, we have this amazing alumni base that, you know, now there's been 15 years of graduates. Yeah. All of them come back to Miriam's house. Yeah. Miriam's house is not like this place, like this institution that they went to. It's their home. Like when they need help, they call Miriam's house. If their kids are in trouble, they come to Miriam's house. And like one of my favorite things is seeing the kids come back as they get older and older. Like they're not knocking on doors. They're running in. They're running around. Like this is their home. Like they're like in the, like, <laughs> their rooms, you know? And, but yeah, we have so many. Let me see. The most recent story I can think of is this woman who came in and at that time she had been separated from her son. She'd been living in the streets for a long time. She'd been using on the streets as well. And when she had her baby, she had no idea she was pregnant. She went into labor in a park, not knowing that she was pregnant. And look, thankfully her son was born healthy and beautiful. We all loved him so much. His name was yeah. Z. And so she came in and, you know, she didn't have an education. She didn't know what she was going to do. And, but she was, what I do remember is she was just so grateful to have a place where she could kind of start getting the services and figuring things out. Yeah. So that year that she was at Miriam's house, she started off not having a job, not knowing what she was going to do, not even having her son. Within six months, you know, she had custody of her son. Her That's son was amazing. living at Miriam's house. Yeah. Within six months, she was already enrolled in a program. So it was like a tech degree. And, and part of allowing her to do that was on, on Mother's Day every year, we do scholarships. We ask the moms to submit like a, a proposal, a budget. What have they been doing towards this goal? And it's a challenge, you know, it makes really, I think, makes them think like, okay, what to do. And so we gave her a scholarship. She enrolled in it. By the time she graduated, she had secured work, her own place. And, there, and her case with DCFS was closed. Wow. And now I can tell she's out there making 90000 a year. She no has her own. way. Her son is in one of the best school districts in Los Angeles. Like, it's just, and we just love her. And we love him, you know? And, and there's so many stories like that. Yeah. You know, it's just, I think that for me, when I came into Miriam's house, what I saw the most was like, you know, moms are seen as like this figure of like, you know, they have to be able to do everything. They have to have it all together. And when a woman who is a mother, who's a caretaker, needs help, it just adds all this shame, stigma, like difficulty. Once DCFS gets involved and takes your children, I mean, it's so hard. Yeah. I don't, if you're not in a place like Miriam's house or you're not connected to people who know how to navigate that like child welfare system, it could take years to get your children back. I've been in court with some of our ladies and like, you know, the people who represent the state want to call for complete removal of parental rights. And it's just like, you know, that and the, and just the, the generational toll of that, right. I mean, it's so much. So I don't know how people outside of our program are doing it. And so for me, that's so much motivation, right? To like 
keep doing what we're doing and also hopefully expand at some point. And you know what you just said, I don't know how people outside of this program are doing it. And the, my point is not very many people are. And what you guys are doing is just such a gift. And how many families a year or even a month do you treat and work so with? At any given time. So we have, our capacity is 15 families and it's a mom and up to two kids on a case by case. We'll do a mom and up to four kids. Wow. We have to get creative with that. But right since COVID, we brought that number to 12 and we increase it as needed. You know, like if it's just someone needs help, we're going to figure sure. it out. But the reason for that is obviously staffing. I mean, we've had COVID take us all out on yeah. more than one occasion. Yeah. And we figured that 12 is a better, from a clinical standpoint, sustainable, manageable. Once you have 15 women, some of them in very early recovery, some of them a little older. It's, it can it's be rough. <laughs> I'm sure you could tell some stories about that as well. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> we can all tell stories about that from our own treatment centers, not even just what you're working with, right? It's just the nature of living together and housing is difficult in itself. Yeah. yeah. You know, are you at liberty to talk about the financial needs of Miriam's house and what it takes to operate Miriam's house and how we can individually help what an institution that is serving 15 families a month or 12 to 15 families a month that has been there for many, many years and is going to be there for so many years in the future that really runs on nothing other than donations, if I'm right? That's correct. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I'm happy to talk about it. We're a nonprofit. So everything about our financials is public yeah. and I'm share it. So we have a tight, lean budget. Our annual cost to do this is $600,000. Yeah. It's like right around there. You know, with some ups and downs because of inflation and really staffing. So if you just divide that, I mean, per month, it's less than what? Less than 50000 yeah. or something like that? Yeah, 50 something. Yeah. So 50000 and that provides housing for all the families. We provide food. We provide counseling. You know, we have childcare on site for when the women are in their meetings. You know, legal support. It, it provides everything. Like That's everything. Amazing. So you have yeah. volunteer attorneys that come in and help. Is that how you provide Ooh. the legal? Yeah. Yeah. So part of it is that. The other part is just like even our staff going to these court meetings and going to these hearings and just being like this person and writing letters and support being like this woman has been in this program. She's been sober this many days. We have a list of days that we tested her. And not only that, we can vouch that she's trying to change her life and she's showing up for her children in recovery. Yeah. And then also our staff are all, I can't remember the terminology, but like the, they're certified by the court to do visitation. Mm -hmm. So like there, and we have a playroom on site and a back. I, mean, I know you've seen our, yeah. our backyard. Oh, our I playground. love the backyard. Yeah. We love it too. Like, you know, if there's just all that safe spaces with trained staff to make sure that the moms can visit their kids. When you're in the separated from your children and you're trying to get visitation, you're trying to, like even just getting to the place where you can visit your children is like a struggle. Like I want to share this one very recent case where we had a woman come in when she was pregnant. She had open DCF cases with other children. And so when her baby was born, there was a huge risk that they were going to take the baby at the hospital, even if she tested negative, which is what happened. Mm -hmm. And so they didn't do that. But two weeks later, CP, like the child protective services came in and they were like, you cannot have your child. We have to separate them. And if you don't find a family member that will qualify, we're going to have to put her in foster care, a two week old, wow. you know, and like her mom's breastfeeding her, taking care of her. Anyone 
you know, who's been around someone with a baby knows how important that first year is, but much less the first few weeks. And so we really quickly came up with a system. We, she did find a family member. We came up with a system where we could transport her to her family member's home every day from a certain time to a certain time. And also have like a system where we're checking that she's not going anywhere else. Cause you know, that can be a part of Absolutely. early too. And so we maintain, we were able to maintain basically that bond. And within the week we petitioned for like an emergency hearing within the week, she was in front of the judge, Rhonda, our program director, myself and her were like on this hearing. And the, I remember the state representative is like, I want full parental rights terminated. Right. She is not a good person. She's not a good, like, you know, parent, all these things being like, she's using like this. And uh, and we, of course, presented like we had the letters we had. No, in this program, we're going to provide all of these things. And also we're working with the courts. Like we don't ever want a child to be in danger. So we're going to report her drug. We're going to, if she were to leave, we will be the first ones to call. Right. And, uh, but we're going to give her this chance. And so the judge, I think his name was Judge Vera. He said, okay, you know what? We're going to give her a chance. Yep. Want this baby to be with her mom. And so long as she's at Miriam's house, she can have custody of her baby. That's amazing. And how long has it been? It's been like six months since yeah, then. That is it's, great. That woman is in school. <laughs> she's like, she's literally going to have a job interview this week. She's taking care of her baby. And now her case with her other daughter is she's getting visitation. Can you so imagine like, the life that you changed right there? Just if you hadn't been there the judge probably would have terminated rights to this child and it would be in foster care and eventually adopted and have never known who his mother, him or his or her mother was. So congratulations. Thank you. But you know, in this last year, I also became a mother. <gasps> Congrats. So, no, thank you. And so part of that is just like, what would I do if they took my baby out of my hands? What if I made a mistake and like, or, you know, like if I'm sick, what happens if I'm sick? you know, and I can't take care of my child and then they just take my child. What would I do? I would lose my mind. Yeah. I am just stunned at what you guys are doing and the work that you're doing. And you're right. Without you guys being there, so many families would be torn apart. Women would be on the street. That woman may still be living in the park where she was found and, or possibly even dead from an overdose, which you and I see all the time. You know, and again, you're driven by donations and you're driven by fundraising events. Talk a little bit about, I think you said you helped found it, which is Polo and the Palisades, your annual fundraiser. I didn't help found it. I just, the first time I, it's in its 15th year. I want to say the first time I was there was in its like 11th year. So I've been doing seven years now. And so Polo and the Palisades is really our biggest event of the year. It's how we fundraise a big chunk of our annual budget. And like, there's just, it's a beautiful space where the treatment industry, as you've seen, as you've been so much a part of, really steps in, especially the high-end luxury treatment environment and like buys a table, comes, it's kind of like a networking type of situation mm-hmm. as well, but all in support of Miriam's house. Every dollar donated to Poland deposit goes to Miriam's house. And sometimes people come, right, as part of their trip, and they have no idea that it's for Miriam's house. They're just like, oh, my God, this amazing event. We're in the polo field. There's a polo game. And, you know, it's just a beautiful day over at Will Rogers. This year, it's going to be Sunday, September 18th. And obviously, we're honoring you for your amazing work. (laughs) And, And, yeah, it's just a beautiful day. We do a live auction. We do our awards ceremony. We have a silent auction. And it's just fun. It's beautiful, fun. 
It is an amazing day. And you're right. I've, you know, I've met so many people there and networked with so many people over, gosh, so many years there. And some people do come and they're like, no, what is this for? And it's like, this is for Miriam's house. And they learn about Miriam's house. And then all of a sudden they're buying auction items and people get caught up in the silent auction and they get caught up in the live auction. I remember one year I bought a trip to Africa which on, on the auction. And you know what? I never took that trip. I'm like, oh, no. I was just telling someone the other day, I said, I cannot believe that Polo in the Palisades a few years ago, I bought this trip to 14 day or 28 day trip to Africa. And I still have the certificate and I never used it. And okay. which is fine because the money was so important, right? And what it went oh, to. And I that's what it's all about. And you guys get donations for the auction from yes. a number of sources. Yes. A lot of, yes. And I mean, you've also even contributed to items for silent auction and live auction. Yeah, no, it's every little piece that, and for you, you know, this year it's, you know, probably due to your popularity and uh, and, and your fellow honorees, but it's going to take hello in a few years. I mean, as of right now, we've sold, I want to say like about 600 tickets. Wow. That is yeah. amazing. I'm so excited. Thank you. That is so cool. Thanks for letting me know that. And yeah, the other honorees are, are absolutely amazing. I know Rick Hubbard is being honored this year for his lifetime work that he's done. And he's an amazing, great friend of mine. Who else is being honored this year? Dr. Joanne Barron. Oh, I love yeah. Joanne. And then we're doing, we're also honoring this organization called Have a Soul. Mm -hmm. And a, the son, a mom in recovery and her son is actually the one that founded it. You know, after having the experience of being in shelters growing up, mm -hmm. he was older, successful and had a, you know, sneaker head, as they say, like sneaker collection. And he realized one day, like, you know, it's better to give. And so he gives shoes. He, goes, he came to Miriam's house. He gave all our kids shoes. And that's what he does. He goes to different transitional livings, shelters where there's children and decks them out. And shoes. Amazing. I can't wait for the day to be there. I think I'm going to be there that whole week. I'm going to do a small event with Patricia Myers, I think that week. And I think I'm coming to speak maybe. Yeah. Okay. At Miriam's house. Yeah. Meeting. Yeah. 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 I'm a little nervous about that. <laughs> oh, no. The ladies are so nice. I promise. I have never had anyone go to, especially when it's a group led by Patricia Myers. I mean, the women all love and trust Patricia. Oh, that's you great. Know? The event chair, who you know obviously very well, and she's really like a mother of Miriam's house. I mean, she puts in so much time and dedication, and she does polo right. Like the six hundred person event, she's the event chair. That's like you know a lot, yeah. but no, that's enough. She's there every single Thursday and leads a meeting with those ladies, and like is there with them when they're crying, is there with them when they're celebrating. Yeah. Uh, no one, a woman that buys as many cakes celebrating birthdays than right. her. Yeah, you know, you're gonna have an amazing time. I know it for a fact. I'm super excited about it. You know, unfortunately, we're out of time, a little bit, just about out of time. But I want to know, how can people donate to Miriam's House? How can they look at Miriam's House on the website? And then how do we make donations? So Miriam's House, you can make a donation online at miriamshousela.org. You can do an online donation. There's also a mailing address there where you can mail a check. You could buy a ticket to Polo and join us on that beautiful sunny day if you're on the west side. And we also have, you know, Christmas events. Also, we do take in-kind donations. You know, as you can imagine... There's a gamut of things in a household that we need. Like there's never too much soap. There's never too many toiletries for the ladies, comforter sets for when they move in. Yeah. Right now we're in the middle of helping a graduate. She got the lease to her new apartment. Wow. You know? That's get some furniture. And there's just all these things that go, anything that you need for a life is really things that we can use. Yeah, absolutely. In-time donations are also welcome. And of course, financial 
like we talked about earlier, we're hundred percent privately fundraised. Yeah. And that means we're applying for grants. That means we're doing these events and even just like single donations. It all makes a huge difference. For us. You've been on that trip. It was a big purchase. And yeah. I mean, that's a huge difference in, in what we raised, you know? Yeah. So absolutely. So I've invited so many people from around the country this year to come out for the event and really enjoy it. It's my favorite event of the year. It's just always a beautiful setting. So, I mean, what's more beautiful than Will Rogers Park, Polo in the Palisades, right? And uh, yeah, it draws a big crowd and it's outside and everybody feels fantastic. And I've invited so many people from LA. So everybody in our audience, please go to miriamshousela.org, make your donations. And if you can get out to LA in September, I think, is it the 18th? Yeah. Yeah, September the 18th, Polo in the Palisades. And you can find all the information you want at miriamshouse.org. And Brenda, I'm so excited that you were here today. Thank you so much for your time. I know how busy you are as executive director. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me and for allowing me to share about Miriam's house. This has been so much fun. Thank Thank you. you. Tell Patricia, I talk to her all the time, but tell her I said hello and everybody else at Miriam's house. And I can't wait to come to the meeting. Okay, sounds good. I'll do that. All right. See you soon. Bye-bye. Take care. And I'd like to remind everyone watching or listening to us that there are numerous platforms to find our podcast, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Please share this episode on social media or with someone that you think it could help. Absolutely. And we remind you also that a clear diagnosis is key to the most effective treatment possible. Yes, it is. See you next week. Thanks again, Robin. Thank you.